Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am David Walker. You can call me DW. And this is the fifth part in our series of podcasts where you, the listener, will get to know our stable of writers over at thefalcoholic.com. Uh, our guest today is the host of The Falcoholic Live. He is one of our editors and a resident draft expert at the site. You've probably seen a ton of his content in recent weeks at thefalcoholic.com. He has done a bang-up job there. I am talking about the one and only Kevin Knight. Kevin, thanks for doing this, man. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's a cool idea. I've been enjoying listening to him as well. So Excellent. Um, I, I think it's going to be good for our listeners to get to know everyone uh, during the offseason. They'll know where we're coming from as fans. Uh, and I, I think it helps to know that we are fans. <laughs> we are not just willy-nilly writing about the Falcons because we want to torture ourselves. We write about them because we torture ourselves watching them as fans. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so uh, on that note, why don't we start right there? Um, what made you a Falcons fan and, and when did that happen? Give us the background of, of what brought you into this madness. Yeah, so initially it was kind of a mix of geography, me being a fan of Birds of Prey as a child, so the Falcon uh, mascot was a big thing for me, and then uh, the color scheme, uh, black and red, was has been my thing my whole life. So that was, those were the three things that. that initially got me in, yeah. Um, and I lived in uh, Northwest Florida while I was growing up, um, which is Central Time, Florida, by the way. And that's actually – Atlanta was actually the closest team in terms of distance to uh, where I lived. So um, I guess maybe New Orleans would have been slightly closer, but that was not an option. So, uh, yeah, uh, that, was, that was how I initially got into it. I had family in Atlanta too, so it just kind of made sense. But um, when I really started seriously following the team, that was um, the Mike Vick era uh, where he was just the most exciting – football player I'd ever seen. Um, I mean, no one had really seen anyone like it before and he just was so exciting. Um, so once Vic was on the team, that's when I actually started like watching the games every Sunday. Yeah. Uh, a fantastic era to join the Falcons in both fantastic and uh, at times grueling. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, which is not any different than what it is right now. I suppose. Pretty much every year with the Falcons, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as a Falcons fan, I mean, you're going back now probably two decades. What is one of your earliest memories, fond or otherwise, of watching this team? Yeah, I think my favorite memory from the early days was Vic's like crazy run against, man, I can't remember who. I think it was the Vikings that he was playing against. That His, his one crazy run that he did where he just evaded like 10 guys and, and ran that touchdown in. Um, that, that was like one of the craziest things I've ever seen still. Um, and that was, that was really awesome. And that just made me so proud to be a Falcons fan when, when they were just really clicking on all cylinders back in that era. Yeah, that's, um, 
it's funny, you know, when you think about this team and uh, some of the very frustrating years that there have been, there have actually been, I would argue, a, a lot of great years, a lot of um, you know, really fun years for this team. And I think that's what has kept many of us still rooting for them is that we do get these occasional glimpses of success that are at times, you know, incredible. You know, Mike Vick, 2004 uh, is, you know, is an example of that. So um, it's one thing I think to be a fan and to cheer for this team um, and to develop a drinking problem from that. Uh, (laughs) I think it's another thing to choose to write about them. So when did you start writing about the Falcons and what drew you to, to that, to, to write about this team on a daily, weekly basis? Yeah, so the first thing I wrote was actually a, uh, it was a fan post on the site, falcoholic.com. Um, I think it was 2013, um, you know, doing like a roster prediction for 2013. Um, and it was, you know, everyone had so much hope coming off 2012. So I was also hopeful. Obviously that was a disaster, but um, so that was the first thing I actually wrote. And I remember sending an email to Dave Cho asking him for advice about how to get started. And he was very helpful, of course, because Dave Cho is very nice. Um, (laughs) And then after that, uh, I wrote for this little site called the runner sports and they gave me my first platform. Um, It was very small, but they were super, you know, laid back and just, you know, Hey, write whatever you want. Um, so that was the first kind of gig that I had. And then after that, I went to uh, Blogging Dirty uh, for two years. Um, and I was there with a lot of other uh, writers that have now joined the Falcoholic, like Adnan <laughs> and Eric. I mean, yeah, was, a lot of people ended up coming over from there. And um, Blogging Dirty was the first place where I think like a lot of people actually read my stuff. Um, and then I famously joined the Falcoholic right before the 2016 season uh, and got to be a part of the team for – that magical season. Mm. And uh, that was, that was still the most fun I've had covering this team. That's for <laughs> sure. um, so we, I wish, I hope we can get back to that at some point, but um, you know, just remember I was the good luck charm that year. That, that probably- yeah. <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll keep that in mind. Um, it, it's funny uh, as a little side note. And I would say that was uh, those two or three years were some of the best uh, from what we saw out of uh that site out of blogging dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually had a link to them years ago when they, uh, they tried to hire me on as editor, which didn't happen because the, uh, the person who was trying to recruit me referred to me as Mr. DC instead of <laughs> DW. So there was a, a period of time in our writer's chat where I was being called DC on a regular basis as a um, running joke from, uh, the blogging dirty person who tried to, recruit yes. Me. Um, uh-huh. So anyhow, <laughs> um, writing about the team for, you know, the past six, seven years, obviously uh, this is true for Dave. It's true for me. It's true for you. Uh, we all end up with some takes that are uh, kind of bad. And uh, <laughs> what's one that you look back on in hindsight and you're like, oh man, I wish I could take that one back. <laughs> well, it was funny. I remember, the, my most like famous bad take was I was live tweeting combine results and uh, I've told this story before, but I basically uh, it was Derwin James and the Alabama safety. I can't remember what the Alabama safety's name was, but I was expecting Derwin James to run like freakish numbers because Derwin James is incredible. Um, so when I think he ran in like the four fours, like the mid four fours, which is a really good number, but I was like, Oh, okay. That's just like a good time for him. 
right. um, because I was expecting more. And then the Alabama safety ran. I thought he was going to run in the four or five. So he ended up running basically a little bit. I think he was basically the same as Derwin James, albeit at a smaller size. And I was like, oh, that's a great time for him. And then FSU Twitter just unleashed the fury <laughs> upon me. Oh, are you Alabama homer? Like, how dare you? And it, you know, so there's no there's no context in combine results. So uh, now I just tweet out times without commentary. That's that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's uh, I, I think that may be a good strategy going forward. Yeah, yeah. FSU Twitter is brutal, man. So you gotta be careful. Uh, I've heard that about them. Um, <laughs> on the flip side, because um, I, I think we've all done this, where uh, we we bang the table for a player um, or a prospect that really works out. Um, who is someone that you think maybe other people didn't see or take that you, you had that was a, a particularly good one in hindsight? Well, I did correctly predict the John Kaminsky pick on draft day. So that really? was, that was one of them. Yes. It was uh, maybe 20 or 30 minutes before the pick came down. I was like, Oh, well, you know, John Kaminsky he kind of fits their profile. I wouldn't be surprised if they take him earlier. Cause I think a lot of people considered him like a sixth rounder seventh mm-hmm. rounder kind of late guy and i was like well he seems like the type of guy the falcons would take earlier than most so you know watch out for him as the next pick and then they did take him so that was fun um because i've every you know when you throw enough darts eventually you get one right so yeah um uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was actually a good one and then um i actually predicted i believe the first two picks of this draft, uh, like the most recent draft, although they weren't, you know, in the exact order. Like the, I didn't predict the trade-up or whatever, but I did predict uh, Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry going to the Falcons in one mock draft. So, you know, that was that was my second best uh, draft take so far. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. You sure did. Um, yeah. And uh, for those who are like, oh, well, you know, you, you do, a, you know, 40 uh, mock drafts. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it, Honestly, it's still pretty remarkable given the number of prospects that are coming out um, to nail it on the first two. So uh, definitely kudos there. Um, (laughs) All right. A little bit of a sidebar, but what is something personal note, uh, professional note, otherwise that our listeners um, and our readers may not know about you uh, that's interesting, peculiar, something about you that uh, may give us some insights into what influences you as a writer? Yeah, I mean, um, there's a couple things that some people probably don't know. Um, for one, I'm like a very active like gamer. I play a lot of video games. Um, I like to build computers and just PC gaming mostly. So that's something I enjoy. Um, that's the best kind of gaming. It is, you know, it, no no contest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like to play airsoft, which is a competitive shooting sport. Um, where you use replica firearms that shoot little plastic pellets. Uh, everybody gets all dressed up. It's a good time, good good workout, um, so that's fun. Uh, and then snow skiing is my other sport that I really enjoy. Um, no, no kidding. Like a, I'm like a, you know, on the scale of 1 to 100, I'm like a 75 on the scale of skiers. So I can do just about just about everything in terms of terrain, but the really hardcore stuff, I don't really mess with that yet. But uh, that's, that's a lot of fun. And then uh, – I run a D and D campaign that we've been playing. I've been playing for several years now, and I uh, am the dungeon master of that. Write the story and all that. So I, I also enjoy writing fiction as well. Very cool. Um, I, I used to do D and D as well when I was in high school. So, uh, and am also, and as you know, uh, I'm also a PC gamer, active as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I cannot stop playing Division Two. So for those listening, <laughs> uh, if you you can find me on Division Two on on every any given weekday. Um, 
<laughs> all right. Back to the Falcons. Um, your all-time favorite player in this franchise. Uh, doesn't matter who, doesn't matter the era. When you think of who teenage Kevin is going to put on his wall as the biggest poster, who is that player? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because, like, for me, like, if you're talking to teenage Kevin, like, I had Mike Vick jersey, I had a Mike Vick poster, and I was really disappointed, you know, with the dog fighting and all that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the fact that he's uh, kind of, you know, he, he's repented for what he's done, and you know, he's he's made amends and. Um, for an effort of not naming the same player twice in terms of active player and favorite player, I'll, I'll go with Vic here just because I think he really revolutionized the sport. He really gave mobile quarterbacks another end to the league. Like they, they've, they had chances throughout the years, but Vic, I think was the one who kind of opened the floodgates to teams being more open to taking that type of quarterback because the NFL, you know, is very, very conservative and slow to adopt things. And I think yeah. Vic, was just such a special player, such a special athlete that he just teams couldn't ignore it anymore. And, and that he really kind of revolutionized that part of the game. So um, I'll, I'll go with Vic there uh, as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it was the right city for mm-hmm. Vic as well. Cause um, he was very much representative of Atlanta and, and what, you know, has become the ATL. And I think that, you know, in many ways, Julio has um, uh, also sort of taken up that mantle as, as a current player. Uh, Trey Young with the Hawks, I think, is taking up that mantle. It's these dynamic players that the city really clings to. And, uh, uh, you know, Deion Sanders back in the day uh, is yeah, another great yeah. example. So uh, fantastic pick. But y- you just mentioned it. I'm going to let you answer it uh, before we go to a break. Who is your favorite current player and why? For me, it's Julio. I mean, um, Julio is, is my guy. I, I own several Julio jerseys. He's just, <laughs> he's just the consummate professional. He, it, and like, he's such a great player, a tremendous talent. You know, couldn't find a nicer guy on or off the field. Couldn't find a more professional player. He just checks all the boxes. He's that really rare player in, in all facets. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just been so much fun to, to watch him in his prime and uh, see what he does. And I'll never forget, you know, some of his crazy plays. And, you know, I, I think he will go down in history, you know, as potentially the the greatest or one of the greatest wide receivers of all time, you know, Falcons, obviously. But um, I think by the time his career is over, we could be looking at him as, as the owner of most of the NFL receiving records. So it's, uh, it's just been really fun to be able to watch him. And uh, getting to meet him in the locker room now that I have credentials has been – just insane, you know, to, to see one of your, your heroes like that. And uh, he's super nice, by the way. He's just a nice guy. Yeah, and uh, quite humble given his incredible uh, talents and, and not prone to, I don't know, being uh, kicked off his team. And <laughs> uh, we, we won't touch that. We won't um, touch, you know, we, you know who we're talking about. Folks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't be the greatest receiver in the league when you aren't in the league. Anyhow... <laughs> Uh, Before we get into the rest of the questions with Kevin, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. 
Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We are back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is David Walker. You can call me DW, and I am with Kevin Knight uh, in our next part of our Getting to Know the Writer series uh, over at thefalcoholic.com. Uh, we were talking about his life and experience of being a Falcons fan and someone that follows this team, writes about this team, uh, drinks because of this team. Uh, <laughs> so back to the questions, Kevin, let me hit you with this. We talked about uh, Mike Vick being your all-time uh, favorite player, uh, Julio being your, your current uh, favorite player. Let's, let's make that the top three. So if you're going to put you know, three names um, all-time, the, the three players, Falcons, that you would put posters on your wall as teenage Kevin. Um, who are those three names? Yeah, I mean, we talked about Vic and, and Julio, and then I think I would add Matt Ryan in there as well. And not necessarily in any particular order. I think they're all tremendous. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I talked about Vic and, and Julio. So for Ryan, I mean, Ryan is just the best quarterback that this team has ever had. And, mm-hmm. um truly underrated by the fan base, by the NFL, by everyone. We're not, I think there's a a large section of the fan base that isn't going to realize what they lost until he's gone. Um, You know, we just have to enjoy what's probably going to be the best era of Falcons football that we may ever see. Hopefully they'll continue to be good after this, but um, you know, the Matt Ryan era is, is, uh, has been unprecedented for the team. Yeah. Um, And just watching him go out there and sling it and just he's also just the consummate professional you know he, he's a a great player on and off the field uh, a leader um and that 2016 te- season I mean that was just special um I mean a true MVP player and if he had won that Super Bowl he would be considered he would be talked about as one of the best quarterbacks in the league like every year but the Super Bowl tax you know if you don't get it then nobody yeah. cares and if yep. you do get it you know uh then everyone thinks you're great but um, to me, I mean, Matt Ryan has been a top five quarterback since arguably 2015. I mean, maybe even earlier than that. Um, and some, some bad seasons by the team around him hasn't changed that in my opinion. So he's just tremendous. Yeah. He has been, uh, saddled with some really, really bad defenses over the yes, years. So many. Um, and for him to, to have as many fourth quarter comebacks as he has had in his career, just speaks to how much he has had to repeatedly put this team on his shoulders in critical moments and come through. Um, so I, I'm with you. I love him. Uh, I, I want the entire fan base to embrace him, even though it's not happening, but uh, fantastic pick. Uh, you will get no arguments from me on, on all three of those guys. Uh, I love all three of them. Um, all right. A little bit of a different tact here because we've talked about the players. I, I have argued um, and have done so with the other uh, 
writers that I've interviewed so far that the Falcons have had a very unique sort of selection of coaches that have come through over the years uh, from mm-hmm. Dan Reeves to Jim Mora to he who shall not be named um, to, you know, obviously to Dan Quinn now, Mike Smith, you know, who arguably helped stabilize the team. There have been some very, very interesting and different personality coaches of all of the ones that you are familiar with. Who is your favorite? It doesn't even have to necessarily be the most successful as an example, James listed Jim Mora as one of his favorites, which was a little mm. bit of a surprise to me. So who is one of your favorite coaches um, who has, you know, taken on the Falcons uh, or I'm sorry, coached the Falcons uh, in your time watching them? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I, I do really like Dan Quinn um, and, and that's why it's been so difficult for me to kind of go on, you know, my show and, and rail against him <laughs> and, and say like, you know, he probably deserved to be fired because I do like him so much as a person and as a motivator. Yeah. Um, and honestly, you know, I, a lot of people say, Oh, well, 2016 was all Kyle Shanahan, but it's not, you, we can't be that reductive. Like 2016 yeah. was the staff that they had. They all made it happen together. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm not going to forget that. Like, and I, I still appreciate Quinn for that, even though he's, he has his shortcomings. So um, I think Quinn really modernized the team for lack of a better word. Um, mm-hmm. He took them into a more modern philosophy and more player focused philosophy. Um, you know, he early in his tenure, he was always playing the young guys, always bringing in new guys and, and um, they were just, a really young, exciting team. And I think it's possible they could get back to that. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's been difficult with him at the helm the last few years. And I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's going to be able to fix all the issues that, that he has, but um, if anyone can do it, I, I think he has a chance because we've seen that when it's working, it can work really well for Quinn. He can get very streaky. Yeah. And when you have a streaky coach like that, you can get a 2016 and if you can get one 2016, you can get another 2016. So mm-hmm. we'll just have to hope that they can, they can get hot again and, and make this work. But um, you know, regardless of his record, I, I've really enjoyed having him as the coach. He He's a fun coach. I think the players really do love him. That's the only reason that he's here. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's tough because uh, having seen him in person, you can tell he's the real deal. Uh, so I, I do, despite, I, I think, you know, like what you're saying, it's sometimes it's tough to have to criticize him and he has deserved criticism. Um, but I do want to see him succeed. So I'm hundred percent with you there. Um, all right, back to some of the players. Uh, obviously there are players who, for whatever reason, never get the respect they deserve and, vice versa where we have like uh especially oh my goodness especially during the off season you know during camp and you're like why isn't this guy a starter in the nfl he should be you know playing over julio and you're like oh my god (laughs) um so in your mind let's start with the first who is one of the most underrated falcons through the years that you think maybe fans didn't appreciate him the way they should have or currently aren't appreciating him the the way they should have uh that you think is just leaps and bounds better than sort of the average estimation of him. I mean, I think one of the biggest scapegoats that we saw, who is of course no longer with the team as of a few weeks ago was Desmond Trufant, who was Mm. an elite corner at times during, you know, his, his seasons with the Falcons and um, playing on a lot of really bad defenses with really bad pass rushes. He got, you know, beat a lot. Um, 
and every corner that played with the Falcons got beat a lot. Uh, but I don't think it really had much to do with Trufant not being talented. I think it just has to do with the fact that you can't cover that long. You know, it, coverage and pass rush have to work in tandem, and when one's not working, the other one sucks. So uh, I, I think Trufant is a much better player than he was given credit for, and he had some, you know, had some struggles in the last few years because of injury and other things like that. Um, but I, I think he's going to bounce back with his new team, and I think he's still going to play at a pretty high level and. Honestly, I think that the, it was a mistake for the Falcons to let him walk this year, and they're going to have a hard yeah. time finding another cornerback one. Uh, as a harder time than people think to replace Desmond Trufant. So, yeah, I'm hundred percent with you there. Uh, we, you and I, have talked about that uh, before. That uh, he has inexplicably been hated on uh, at times by the fans, and I've never understood it. Um, all right, flip side. Who is a player that you know, may or may not be with the team, but do you think was overrated where fans were just like pounding the table for him and you were watching him going like, what do you guys see? I'm not seeing this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the obvious one that I'm sure other people have touched on was like Harry Douglas back after he had that thousand <laughs> season. Like there was this sect and I don't think it was a majority of people, but there was this sect at the fan base that was like, Oh, well, who needs Julio when we have a thousand yard Harry Douglas. <laughs> and like, that's just insanity. To me, um, because Harry Douglas is a fine wide receiver three, but like people were talking him up like he was this great receiver, and it's like, no, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, Harry, if you happen to listen to this, I know he listens, he reads our stuff, but um, he's a good guy. He, he's he a good is guy. a really good yeah. guy. Yeah, and he's a good wide receiver three, but that's that's what he is. There's no shame in that. There's only a handful of people in the world that can, that can say they're a good wide receiver three. So yeah, and I, I can't hate on him too much because he went to my high. We went to the same high school. He went oh, to, okay. He went okay. to Jonesville well, High you, School. Yeah, I want to ask you to get it, to wade into that one. So. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna leave that one alone. Harry, <laughs> if if you are listening, I love you, man. Yeah. Um all right. This one may be easy, but uh I've I've actually gotten some different answers for this, and I'm very curious to see what you have to say. What is the most gratifying win for this team that you personally experienced? So for me, um there's been a couple of ones that I really enjoyed. Uh, but for me, the one that's always probably going to be the best until they win a Super Bowl is uh, the uh, win over the Packers in the NFC Championship mm. uh, 2016 because um, that was actually on my birthday. And, oh. uh, yeah, it was it was lit. Uh, it was pretty lit, and uh, <laughs> I was at a bar watching it, um, and uh, I, di- I didn't remember the second half. I had to rewatch it later but because they were just doing so well, uh, and everyone there, I guess, figured out it was my birthday, so the whole entire – crowd kept buying me shots and I, I didn't want to be rude you know so <laughs> taking the shots and then I don't remember the second half of the game but I did watch it later and of course the second half was good as well but um that game was just so much fun it was just total domination and then when Julio did his famous just pushing over two corners on, on route to the end zone oh. that was, it was craziness so that was that was definitely the the most gratifying one for me I, I think too there was a redemptive element for the 2010 shellacking when Green Bay came in and Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. lit us up. And I think a lot of Falcons fans loved the fact that he was able to come back in and we repaid the favor almost twice over. Like at least the yeah. Falcons scored in that game against Green Bay back in 2010. Like I don't think Green Bay got on the scoreboard until the Falcons were up 35 to nothing. At one oh, point. yeah. It was crazy. It, it was. I mean, it was just domination. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. We're going to close out a little bit 
darker, but I think, you know, that's the experience of a Falcons fan. <laughs> Always closing on a dark note. Yep. <laughs> closing on a dark note. Um, how hard did uh, that Super Bowl loss, the 28-3 to infamous Super Bowl loss, hit you? And, you know, when you look back, is there anyone that you ascribe blame to? You know, what, is, what was your process like after that game? I mean, it was, it was devastating. Um, I was very upset. Uh, and <laughs> it was funny because I'm, like, never angry or, or loud like that generally. I was very upset. And it was actually, like, scary for my wife <laughs> because I don't think she ever <laughs> seen me like that before. Um, I don't think I've ever really been like that ever again since then. Um, but it was just so frustrating. And, and I had to take a walk, you know, and it was, uh, it was bad. It was bad times. Um, but, you know, I've gotten over it. And it's, it's just something that you, you deal with as a sports fan. Like you sign up for the heartbreak. You sign up for, you know, the glory. And, you don't, and you're going to get the heartbreak a lot more often than you're going to get the glory. So, uh, you know, that's your warning, folks. If you get off the ship now, if you can. But... Uh, <laughs> It was tough. It was tough. But like in terms of blame, I mean, it was definitely a collective effort, but I know a lot of people blame the defense for letting the Patriots back in, but we have to keep in mind that they played over a hundred snaps, which is absurd. Um, yeah. It was yeah. really a perfect storm of like reasons why the defense was on the field so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you probably, I placed most of the blame on Kyle Shanahan and we, we saw this again in his most recent Super Bowl appearance that he just doesn't know when to take his foot off the gas and yeah. try to like secure the lead. Um, so I, I think he deserves the most blame, but of course Quinn deserves blame for not, you know, Quinn has the final say he could have overridden things. Obviously Freeman missed his block, so that's not great either. Um, but it was a collective loss, I think. You know, I, if, yeah. if Kyle Shanahan wanted to come back to Atlanta today, I'd say, hell yeah. Let's yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't hold a grudge against him. I don't – I mean, a lot of people seem to hate Freeman after he missed that block. But, I mean, come on. You, Freeman didn't want to miss the block, guys. Like, come on. It's just, it's, it's, it was just rough. It's rough for everyone. But um, it was a collective loss. But Kyle Shanahan, you know, you should know better. And I, you would think yeah. he would have learned before his most recent Super Bowl. But, you know. Yeah, it's uh, and I think there's some fans that found the most recent Super Bowl therapeutic as well to, <laughs> to say, "Oh, look who didn't learn his lessons." Uh, <laughs> yep, I wasn't in that boat necessarily, but it was there was an element of, "Oh wow, like it." He really didn't uh, figure this out in in the meantime, um, and I like to remind people because I feel like this gets uh, overlooked a lot, but in that game. Uh, Ryan Schrader got injured, did not play most of the second half. And I think people forget that Alex Mack was playing on a broken leg. A broken right? leg. Yeah. So that is um, insanity. Like, yeah. I don't know how that's possible. I think he was, he must literally have like channeled Hulkamania or something. Right. <laughs> he could not be hurt. Like he could not be damaged. Like he's exactly. living off of adrenaline, but um, it, and I think people forget that when, you know, processing that loss, um, you know, two key pieces of our offensive line were, were down. And uh, anyhow, uh, not to drag that on, we were, uh, I now need a drink, which I'll do after this podcast. <laughs> um, all right. Final question. And we'll wrap up this uh, interview. Thank you again for doing this, Kevin. Of course. Um, your thoughts on the current regime. And I mean that from top down, Arthur Blank, all the way down to, the janitor who cleans up after the players uh, are done with the game. 
uh, the other thoughts, Roddy White. Yeah. Exactly. The other Roddy White. <laughs> uh, your thoughts on this current regime and your hopes for what will hopefully be a 2020 season if everything goes right. Yeah, I mean, I've been on record as being pretty pessimistic about this season. I think that the time to make a change was last year. Um, and now it, it, Arthur Blank, I think, has run this team pretty well, but I think he's not running it particularly well with regards to Dan Quinn. I think he can't really make up his mind about whether he wants him to stay or go. Obviously, he wants him to stay. He's willing to basically bend over backwards to help Quinn stay here. Um, but I mean, for the most part, I think Arthur Blank is a good owner. Um, and owners are not perfect. They're going to make mistakes, but, uh, I think we, I think the team's in good hands with Arthur Blank at the helm for the most part, but, um, I just don't know with Quinn and I really don't know with Dirk Cutter. I think that was the big one. I think, I think you could make, make an argument for keeping Quinn because the, the players love him, but, um, I just don't know how you could make an argument for Dirk Cutter. And, um, it just, his scheme it just hasn't evolved at all since he was last year. Uh, it's it's just played out, and it puts so much stress on the offensive line when the Falcons have a really young offensive line that isn't particularly good in pass pro. Cutter can't call a run game to take the pressure off. It's a lot of long developing stuff, and like it's still productive. I mean, the Falcons still score points, right. but like I think any offensive coordinator could score points with this offense. So yeah. it's not exactly a ringing endorsement, but. Um, I really hope that they um, that they they get another modern offensive mind in here, someone who's gonna mix it up, run a more balanced attack, more play action, all that stuff going forward. But in terms of hopes for twenty twenty, I mean, they could still make the playoffs even with this this coaching staff because honestly, the roster isn't that bad. Like especially the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they have players. Um, Obviously, it's it's a little bit of an open question how they're going to do with Hayden Hurst and how he's going to assimilate. Um, and, you know, how much does Alex Mack have left in the tank? Can those two offensive linemen in their second year, can they really improve? Um, there's a lot of questions there. The offense will still be good. And then, you know, we did get Dante Fowler in here, so that does add something to the pass rush. But they've only got six draft picks now. Um it's going to be tough to fill a lot of holes with that, especially if TD doesn't trade back. Um, so I, I don't have tremendous hopes. I, I think they're probably going to end up in kind of the, the area they were last year in that seven and nine range, but a playoff run is not out of the question, especially now that they have seven teams. I mean, a nine and seven team could easily make it at that point. So um, they're in the mix and there's always the chance that they kind of come together and play better than we expect, like 2016, for example, and 2017 yeah. too, for that matter. Um, but uh, I'm not terribly, terribly confident that they're <laughs> going to do that. But um, I always would like the team to do well. I know some, some people simultaneously think that we're too positive and too negative about the Falcons. So uh, <laughs> I would like them to do well, but I just don't really see it happening with Dirk Cutter as the offensive coordinator. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think we're in the same boat. And, you know, uh, hopefully with everything that's going on in the world, we will get the opportunity to see an NFL season uh, yes. in 2020. Uh, so for those of you listening, please uh, keep your distance socially, uh, you know, six feet or more. Uh, stay at home as much as possible so we can get through this crisis and get back to the NFL season. We want to see the NFL, NFL season happen. Uh, but we we have to be uh, safe and healthy first. Uh, so 
Uh, we wish that for all of you guys listening in. So Kevin, before we close out, why don't you tell our listeners what you've got going on and where they can find you? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter at Falcoholic Kevin. You guys know my stuff is all over the site. The, uh, the show, the Falcoholic Live is on Twitter at Falcoholic Live. And then our YouTube channel, which is uh, the Falcoholic on YouTube. That's where the shows go live. Um, pretty easy to find. And then in terms of content I've got coming, um, Tomorrow I'm looking at, uh, which would be Tuesday, I'm looking at um, whether they still need to consider drafting a running back with the addition of Todd Gurley. Um, And then Wednesday I've got the next mock draft, the penultimate edition of the mock draft. Um, They seem to get less accurate if if history is any indication as I get closer to the draft. So um, we'll uh, we'll see how that goes, but that's going to be a fun one. It's a, a little bit different. Obviously the picks at 16 are starting to get a little predictable because we kind of know where the Falcons are, are heading, especially with free agency. But um, the rest of the draft is open-ended and uh, it's, it's an interesting one. So check that out on Wednesday. Absolutely. Uh, as for me guys, you can find me on Twitter at Falcoholic DW here on the Falcoholic podcast. Also, Follow us at Falcoholic Pod on Twitter uh, to stay up to date with uh, when these podcasts drop and what's coming up. And of course, all of our content is up daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Kevin Knight, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll talk with you next time.